Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. Rate, review, and subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like, subscribe there as well. Eric Kareen of The Athletic is here. Hello. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Good. We just literally said that four seconds ago before we recorded. But yes, I'm doing well. Um, yes, last night... we, wa- we want the people to know that we're, <laughs> uh, we're either doing all right or pretending to do all right. So uh, yeah, yeah. Yes. Last night, I was interrupted um, overnight by some people drumming and playing loud music, a concert, if you will, outside of my mm. building. But do you know who wouldn't do that? Darko Rykovich. He would never per- do that. Perfect segue. <laughs> uh, 10 out of 10. Thank natural, you. Thank you. Na- natural is our beautiful resources here in this <laughs> natural resources here in this country. You wrote a terrific piece about Darko. Um, and so first off, congratulations, because um, it's so in-depth, so many, the the depth of the interviews, the the uh, the people that you got to weigh in on him, like we all learned a little bit more about him. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Thanks very much. It was uh, obviously those pieces, you know, I'm writing, they take a bit longer than my analysis of, uh, than writing up the analysis of the Raptors roster. So uh, when, you know, something comes out, uh, it's nice to hear about that. So thanks a lot. Actually, I wanted to ask you because I I myself haven't haven't uh, done a piece like that. I don't do a lot of writing necessarily. Yeah, it's yeah. more on the video production thing. But how long does it take from like the first interview to the point where you're publishing it? How long does it take for that whole process to to play out? Well, the publication is like a bit out of my control. Um, like there's a world in which we might have held this until like the eve of training camp. Right. So like, Mm. and that doesn't mean it wouldn't have been ready at the same time. Uh, I won't bore you with the details about what, about why we, uh, why we read it uh, on August the 2nd. Um, But uh, you know, it's just, it's almost like old newspaper days. There was a hole in the A1, in the A1 slot on, on the app to fill. And Ah. uh, we had this ready. Uh, and anytime I could get that uh, A1 slot, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it, even if it uh, is sort of a counterintuitive, not really NBA type type story, you know, and or, or or day of the calendar. Not many people, unless it's like Dame Lillard trade news, are expecting to see a big long NBA story. But uh, gosh, enough of uh, that, please. But yes, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I so each one varies. Uh, but I'd say this one was fairly typical in that like I started reaching out to people probably the week of the draft or maybe a bit beforehand a lot of the interviews happened the week between the draft and free agency uh I then got a few more interviews done at summer league that's where I talked to Monty Williams for example Mm. um and uh then I took a week off uh, for vacation, and then the next week, 
I did a lot of transcribing. <laughs> and um, that's the worst part. That yeah, is yeah, the worst all, part. It was almost two days full of transcribing. Uh, and somehow, like, the transcription services have, have almost made transcribing worse, not, not better. The automatic <laughs> transcription services. It's like, at least I was used to my old, like, digital recorder. Not, and mm. not, uh, the, anyway, I, I shouldn't complain too much um but but you 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 invited this uh and then i <laughs> I, I probably wrote it over two and th two or three days so that it goes through the editing process so all in all it, like it probably took about you know if you take out the week of vacation i took it was probably like three and a half four weeks from Damn. my first from my first email to submitting this to like getting the last read on the story mm -hmm. Uh, and that's probably pretty typical. My first job in 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 media was I was transcribing interviews. That was kind of my thing, and everyone was so happy to give me their interviews to oh, yeah. to transcribe. And bro, like I was, it's tough. It's yeah, tough. If to I transcribe. ever if I ever do like a you know a big book project, uh, I think that's a lot a lot of the time where transcribing gets farmed out. And uh, intern, yeah, come here. Yeah, you, you'd almost have to, and like. You know, people are who are breaking into the industry certainly want, you know, relationships with people who are writing books uh, and uh, and you want your name attached to that project. But it's yeah, it's brutal. And like the what we're really getting into the weeds now, but like the transcription <laughs> services that are like writing down every, you know, or like or like, ah, uh, it's like, come on, no better. <laughs> uh, and, and there are ways there are ways to get rid of those. Uh if you go into the system deep enough and, and say, yeah. just don't, but anyway, we are, we are way afield now <laughs> of, of what you asked me. Uh, somehow we've gotten to complaining about technology. <laughs> um, a word of advice for any interns or people looking to break into the industry. When you get that transcription job, smile, smile enough. <laughs> say, thank uh, you. Thank you for the work. This is a little one, little, little nugget there. Keep that in mind. The writing process though like when you get into like the transcriptions are done and then from the first day that you start writing it like there must be a lot of like take this out put this in change this change that that must be probably one of the more tedious parts of the process no i love writing like i i was told in i think it was third year my my reporting class like reporters are gonna fall somewhere along the writing reporter spectrum uh, like, you know, at, at one end are like the pure wordsmiths, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm sort of thinking like Brian Phillips, who's at the ringer now. And then there are like, on the other end, it's like the investigative reporters who like are just mm. so good at this stuff and love, not love, but like it, it drives them somehow to make the extra phone call and, and go knock on doors even. And I'm like probably closer to the writing, you know, extreme than the reporting stream. I have, a, I have a good amount of social anxiety, so um, <laughs> um, which somehow helps if you just stammer in front of people and be awkward. They they sort of become anxious to talk and fill the fill the space. That, that's my big interviewing tip. Uh, probably not a good one, um, but yeah, like I I actually I don't find the writing process that tedious. Like if I, and I sort of just do it on feel like if I have a lot a lot a lot of interviews sometimes you know almost like if you think about an essay for mm -hmm. for school like I know oh this is the section where I'm talking about this here are all the relevant quotes 
I'll put them under this section and then I'll use the quotes that that fit the best at that time. But this one, I sort of, I knew where I wanted to start. I was pretty sure where I wanted to end. And I just, uh, to use a phrase from, from my current obsession, the bear, uh, let it rip. And, uh, you know, not to say there weren't changes after that, but it was more of a writing by feel type type thing uh, rather than like an intricately planned and intricately sort of dissected and reassembled piece, which I have done. And yes, yeah. that can become frustrating when it's not flowing. And then you find a spot. The Raptors are going to be looking for a lot of spots on the court uh, this upcoming yeah. season, spots for open space. Anyways, um, the interviews that you did, uh, there was a lot of different personalities there. There was uh, coaching staff, there was general managers, there was players. Were there a couple of people that you're just like, this was a really fun chat to, I guess, stammer through? <laughs> um, I, I think it's probably pretty obvious in the story that like Sam Presti was the key interview for the story, apart from Darko. Um, mm. I, I, I won't spoil the exact details, but he called me in between the draft and free agency which i was like sort of shocked at like uh like i was talking to their pr staff and i was like i know it's a busy time of year but does sam have you know a few minutes and you know i was really surprised when he was able to find 20 25 minutes to chat and i think um that goes to show how how passionate and how legitimate that friendship is like i i think it goes beyond a basketball relationship probably and veers into the friendship territory and you know i don't think that's that unique but um i had mm. never talked to sam before for for a story at least and uh i was not surprised but i i mean i was so glad when he had the enthusiasm and, and you know what you're dying for as a writer in these types of stories which is you know essentially a profile is can you speak in in details can you speak in stories can you speak in anecdotes and you know so much to the point that my last question is you know often i, I don't know if i've left anything out but is there like a what do you think of you know darko ryakovich is there one story that yeah stands out and usually the answer to that question is not one story. He's just a great guy, et cetera, et cetera. Like he was talking in stories and anecdotes without me prompting him. Um, and again, that's like how I started the story and how I ended the story was, and that was like through no talent of my own. I don't think like, did those stories come to light? It's almost like, he was, he he said himself, he like found himself when Darko got the job thinking about all these moments that they spent together, um, mm. mostly in Europe and that he wanted to share them. I, I feel pretty lucky uh, that I was the person on the other end of the phone. Yeah, it's interesting from the story alone and everything that we've learned about Darko so far. And I'm, I'm sure, I mean, we're going to get more details about him as the season goes on. But the only interaction I really had with him was in summer league when he came into that scrum that we were all in and he was like where do i look because he hadn't really done too many scrums like that even that i'm like that's adorable he doesn't know what's a scrum he doesn't know how like the format is he thought he has to look this way or that way and it's just like it's it's a scrum but you're gonna do oh so many of those coming up so yeah, no yeah I mean, even what <laughs> even when he was the interim coach of of memphis memphis isn't like a huge media market and he's probably looking at 
you know, a team camera and maybe one or two beat reporters. Uh, even at Summer League, we probably were matching that or slightly outpacing it. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, come, come, you know, shoot around opening night. Uh, there will be Boy. a lot of cameras to uh, to look at. I, I am getting anxious just thinking of, uh, I forget what they've renamed that room across from the Raptors locker room, but uh, it, it will be full. It will probably be sweaty, and uh, yeah, I think that's the uh, name actually. The full, and, the, the full, the full and sweaty <laughs> uh, multi-purpose interview room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Through the conversation with Darko, I'm I'm sure there are details that you were not able to fit in the, into the story because I mean, there's so many interviews, uh, so many anecdotes that you probably wanted to add. Then you're like, ah, maybe I can't put this in. Not even from Darko, but from other people. Where there are certain tidbits where you're like, wish I could have put that in, but it just didn't really fit. Um, I mentioned the, when I was talking to Billy Donovan, uh, Darko was on Billy Donovan's staff in Oklahoma city for, I, I believe three years, maybe two years. Um, and I mentioned that he had helped his son find a G league, you know, video coordinator job, but mm -hmm. like the quotes he had on that, like were really, you know, really effusive and really really detailed and you know just the extent to which like he was offering out his house and is like i have food in the refrigerator take from the refrigerator what's mine is yours that type of thing that like i was able to paraphrase but like you know it was already a pretty quote heavy story and and mm. sometimes the way people read like unless it's the world's greatest quote their their eyes can glaze over the quote so I, I, was, I was conscious of not putting too much of that in there um that's one thing that stands out um uh, something that didn't really fit into that story was darko talking and doug smith of the star wrote specifically about this was darko talking about like growing up in what was then yugoslavia uh during the war um the the i i I'm a bad person, you know, the, I don't know exactly what it's called. I did look this up at some point and I think it goes by several names, whatever the, mm. the, the, you got the Balkans were for a better, for lack of a better term. Um, but he was talking about growing up in, in that and, and how he has lots of, you know, and, and how politics divide people. And, and you know, I, I think he would have been, not, that happens in the early 90s he's born in uh 79 i want to say um so he's you know those are really formative years 11 12 13 years years old and, and it's not like he went into super detail about it but like i think that has to be a, a very meaningful part of his life and, and to hear him talk about a bit about what that was like was interesting to me and it just like mm. didn't really fit in with the rest of the story unless i was gonna you know, add 25 or 30 percent to the story. Uh, Monty Williams had, I, I can't remember them offhand, but he he had some great quotes about about him, uh, about Darko. And uh, again, I mostly kept it too. Uh, uh, Darko really likes drinking coffee. He could consume a lot of coffee. And I think I, <laughs> you know, I'm worried I about his coffee intake. I'm like, is he drinking enough water? I don't know. It yeah, doesn't seem well, like that, it. <laughs> that's the, the first day uh, shoot around before uh, before the opening uh, opening game of the game of the regular season. That can be your first question. Is like, 
what's your water to coffee ratio? <laughs> um, and like selfishly, uh, like Maurizio Garardini, who I talked to is one of like my favorite people just to chat with. Uh, this is like completely selfish. I, I don't think like I should have put more uh, of him in the story, but like he's such like a wry sense of humor and I never feel like I can quite get that across in a story. And, and for those who don't know, Maurizio Garardini was the assistant general manager under Brian Colangelo uh, mm-hmm. for a good five five years, I think, with the Raptors uh, and was running the Treviso uh, Basketball Without Borders when Sam Presti and Darko originally met in, in sort of the mid-2000s, early to mid-2000s. And he just had a lot of a lot of things to say about the various coaches who had come through the camp, about the, you know, the the connections that had had been made at that camp in the past. And again, like I, I paraphrased a bit, and like quoting him too much would have made the story about something else. And you mm. obviously want to keep a story like that focused, but like, like he's just a great character I find to work into stories and. You know, someday I, I, I'd probably like to write more about him and his basketball life more more in depth. And that didn't, you know, obviously now was not the time. But like yeah, after Presti, like getting a chance to to talk to Maurizio again and, and see how things are and, and see his perspective on because I mentioned it like he had of the four finalists he had like mm. relationships with three of the four finalists um uh yeah. for the raptors job so that's you know it lets you know kind of how small the basketball world is uh at, at times even though it's this like huge global game um so i think those are some of the things that jump out i'm sure i'm, I'm missing a few details that i didn't hint at at all uh and they're not coming to my brain right now but uh yeah that's what stands out and with some of the candidates that were in that top four or so, um, a lot of them were these on-court coaches is what I'm calling them. You had mentioned that, you know, uh, Darko, and I saw it in the the ballroom uh, summer league too, that he's on the court with players. He's getting sweaty. He's doing yoga with them. It's all it's all great because uh, he's that's the kind of coach that he wants to be and no different than a Jordi Fernandez. A Kenny Atkinson was another one who was among the finalists, as I believe. And then there's also Sergio Scariolo, but... What does that? Are you, say, are you saying Sergio wasn't going to do yoga with uh, <laughs> with the guys at age uh, sixty three or however old Sergio? Hey, is? he's I, in terrific shape. He looks yeah. great. I mean, he's probably doing something, so he probably could I help think them. It's actually. all those. It's all those. Uh, I remember talking to Sergio for a story during the Tampa season, and he he was talking about like how he has a boat in Ibiza. I'm like, oh, it, that must be the life that is uh, that is keeping you so uh, copacetic. Uh, yeah so yeah anyway uh again i have forced us a field of your <laughs> of your conversation i'm just trying to throw you off your game right now counter programming <laughs> we're still focused but it is friday and yeah. uh yeah anyways i'm um, looking forward to the weekend but do you think that changes player coach relationships just a little bit that the fact that a head coach as opposed to an assistant a trainer is on the court with you working with you uh guiding you through drills and, and things of that nature it has to, like, to be honest, I'd be surprised if it continues at the same pace that we saw it at Summer League. Like, I think Summer League, not only is he modeling for his players, he's modeling for his coaches, right? Like, he, mm. he, and I talked about this uh, with somebody else, uh, like, I, I think the value of somebody 
with that on-court ability, both in a team setting and a one-on-one setting, is not necessarily that he can do it. It's that he can now oversee it and make it run through the organization like he would do himself. Mm-hmm. And and there's still plenty of, you know, soft one-on-one conversations uh, uh, that he will have to have with players to get to get the buy-in from everybody and, and form great relationships. Like I, I, you know, I'm sure during training camp, he'll probably try to be on, on the court a bunch. And I, you know, just by nature of a head coach's job, like there's just only X hours in the day. And and no matter yeah. how much coffee you drink, like I, I think it's probably wise to try and get at least five or six hours of sleep a, a <laughs> night. I, I don't think I've seen it recommended to get any less than that at, at any point in, in my life. Um, uh, Seven's so, better, but yes, yes, yes. You no, know, yes. I'm saying at minimum, <laughs> at minimum. I need like, I need like nine. If I get like seven and a half, I'm, I'm feeling a bit draggy. Uh, mm. But yeah, I also don't have children. So uh, let's, let's not go too far down this, uh, this tangent. Um, but yeah, I think that's the big advantage. Uh, and it's not like Nick Nurse didn't have that experience, right? Like he sure. he came in as an assistant. He came in as like Jonas Valanciunas's guy. He he had gone to Lithuania with with JV. He had, he had been running the offense. Uh, it's not like he, he <clears throat> at that point of his career, it's not like he was a huge workout coach. But he was still mm-hmm. doing so. Like all assistants do a bit of you know individual workouts. Um, and. And but this is sort of where Darko's, you know, at least one of his real strengths is having years and years and years of experience in that. So you would hope that that uh, that he can sort of guide that th- uh, down through what is largely a new staff, minus uh, Jim Son, who uh, you know will we'll never be gone. Will never uh, be gone. Or he's should great. He be. Yeah. No, he's terrific. Um, in the story, and I, I, I like seeing things like what Monty Williams did, where there are both assistants in OKC. Monty gets hired by Phoenix, and he's like, I need Darko. And it kind of shows like he's he's building relationships with the people around him, and they enjoy what he brings. And one of the quotes from your story from Monty was he wanted the family-forward atmosphere. And there was a podcast I did with another fellow, Philip Markovich, um, around the time Darko was announced. And he also has Serbian, you know, Serbian uh, background and he had mentioned the war and how going through that as a Serbian how it kind of shaped you and how it made you have a different degree of value on family and like what it means and uh, the relationships around you and it seems like Darko has carried that throughout his career whether it is those dog days when he was you know doing the uh, the practices with with kids when he's working in uh, different parts of the world he's always taking that with him that's like one of his core values as a coach as a human being is to care about other people no different than the billy donovan story that you had just mentioned do you how does that contribute to why he is now the coach of the toronto raptors in your opinion yeah i I mean i'm always hesitant to say like this goes back to andrea bargnani and like just referring to him as the italian center like as if (laughs) as, as if that was some we don't have to go through the the long Raptors and NBA history of, of assuming people from mm. a place are that way because they're from a place. Um, but Darko did say, like, coming from where he came from is a big reason why he values, values family. So me just, like, restating his words, he said that. Um, and, you know, I, I thought one of the, like, 
nicer sentiments in the story was, you know, just before the last section was Billy Donovan kind of saying, like, look, we all want to get ahead in this industry. We're all mm. trying to build careers and Darko's no different, but he tries to do it without stepping on people. Um, and again, like this is a profile of a rarely, uh, of a fairly anonymous first time head coach. There aren't like, if I reach out to somebody who, you know, happened to hate Darko, they probably weren't going to agree to the interview, <laughs> but, but I thought it was like, you know, you don't have to say all of that is sort of my yeah. point. And, and, you know, like, how does that, how much did that contribute to him? To him getting the job, like last year was rough. Last year, I think, I think the Raptors had spent so much time thinking and speaking and trying to perfect their quote unquote culture, and people roll their eyes at the word culture, but it, it can mean anything from practice habits to, uh, interpersonal relationships to coach player relationships to mm. you know how a team conducts itself when it's on the road it can mean any number of things and i think in my like there's probably if you dig down deep enough with like messiah jerry and bobby webster and and the front office when they look back at last year like Masai said, I didn't enjoy watching this team. You know, the, all of them basically said the vibes were off and, and without yeah. saying the vibes that were off. And I bet there is a big part of them that still probably can't explain it. And and like, I can't explain it that well either. Like I saw yeah. it happen um, and, and that like largely the same group that did what it did in the previous season, um, you know, fell so dramatically. But what they did know is people were kind of having a miserable-ish time going to work every day yeah. um and getting somebody who is so enthusiastic who you know brings new ideas and a new attitude uh and and again like a if not family first then sort of a, a you know a, a unity first sort yeah. of approach um that would I could see easily, and I think I wrote it, like you could see easily how that would be appealing after a kind of mystifying year where there weren't a lot of happy people walking around. And like, obviously, when you lose that, that or, or you sh I should say, when you fall short of expectations, there aren't, there shouldn't be a lot of happy people. Mm. But the the way that, you know, it's not like there was were huge fights, I don't think, but I think very few people were also on like, the same page as to why anything was was or wasn't happening and, and to get somebody with a new vision and a new outlook and, and certainly uh maybe a less baggage and a lighter touch i i could see exactly why that would be appealing to them hmm. and then on the on-court aspect and also the the degree of research and he seems like a workhorse no different than nick nurse was too no different than a lot of these Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. These candidates is that they've kind of gone through the mud a little bit to get to where they yeah. they got to. Um, and uh, one of the quotes here from Sam Presti from your story, he's pulling from basketball all over the world. And when he's watching, he's watching and he's studying. And, you know, I think about how that could help the Raptors, how they can help players and just like his overall focus and the other parts of the aspects of why he was hired. It must be that, that there's going to be a different perspective that he's going to be offering um, something that we maybe are, isn't as common in the NBA and NBA circles. And I wonder, you know, we're, we're going to find that out as soon as we uh, get to the season here. And uh, as we learn more about Darko, because he's going to have a hell of a time trying to make uh, spacing and shooting and fun things happen on the offensive end, because it's going to be very tough. Um, but did you get into that kind of conversation with him at all about with Darko, like his, his, his vision as a basketball coach? Uh, I have to think it's on purpose now that he is like avoiding going into too many details about that simply because like the reality is that while he has some Mm. preferences, he is not, you know, he would never say his preferences are more important than the talent and the type of players Mm -hmm. you have. Like you can want to be the 2014 Spurs. And I'm sure like something like that would be his preference. Um, I I mean, it would almost be anybody's preference, but like, especially him coming from a European background uh, and he mentioned it, like lots of player movement and ball movement. uh, And that's something we obviously didn't see from the Raptors. Haven't really seen uh, mm-hmm. since, you know, Mark Gasol left. Um, and so so I think that's his preference, but he's not going to, like, be able to do that if the right players aren't there. Now, I think there's something to think about um, with, you know, Scotty Barnes, if all of a sudden he's a hub in the same way that, like, prime Mark Gasol was in his career, and you have lots of if you don't mm-hmm. have that shooting, which the Raptors, you know, if they put their best shooting lineup in the league it, uh, or, or their best possible shooting lineup is probably a below average NBA shooting <laughs> lineup uh, to say nothing of what their, you know, non-optimal shooting lineups might look like. But if you get players moving a bit more unpredictability with your off-ball movement, a bit less... Um, you know, uh, uh, the the big thing I'm thinking of is like Scotty, uh, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi when they get the ball, sort of like whether it's at the elbow, whether it's beyond the three point line, like they all kind of like to take a take a moment or two, survey the landscape, and, and see what's happening from the def- what's happening with the defense. And I'm mm. sure one of his big focuses is going to be like. Can you cut that down by a half a second? Can you like start your move and see how you know the defense reacts to you forcing a quicker sort of decision Mm. from from them? And that takes time. Like that, that's gonna probably be a big part of 
you know, other than the lack of shooting that we've mentioned, why things probably won't look very good offensively to begin with. <laughs> but I think that's the the step that needs to happen with this team because we saw, you know, with a very deliberate mismatch hunting offense, the ceiling was, you know, on the half court offense was so low that they had to like game the system in any way they could to rebounds, like, turnovers, yes. Yeah, yep. extra <laughs> shots per game. And if they didn't get that, it was probably going to be pretty hard to win a game. And, and yeah. you know, there, there's a, we were talking about the time, it's probably not sustainable in the playoffs if you're lucky enough to get there when teams are better and more sure handed and, and ha- just have guys who are offenses unto themselves sometimes. It's a lot more difficult to, to create those types of advantages like it's even less sustainable so Mm. uh, i think you know forcing some players out of their comfort zones of of whether it's a player like pascal siakam who you know i i think since 2019-20 has been the either the top usage guy on the raptor i think he has been the top usage guy on the raptors every year that like i wouldn't expect that to change assuming the roster remains the same but you know, it's it's how you're making those decisions. It's how quickly you're making your decisions. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, like as I said, Barnes and what's happening around Scotty Barnes mm. is is going to be really interesting to me. Yeah, it's a tr- it's true that uh, we've all been kind of saying the same things about the Raptors' offense and what it could be. It's point five. It's ball movement. It's player movement. It's cutting and uh, on on the defensive end. It's limiting corner threes. It's protecting the paint and. That's kind of what we know. And that's what Darko has let us uh, know. I was actually looking at what would be the Raptors' best shooting lineup, regardless of everything else. What would it be? So it'd be Grady Dick, OG Ananobi. You got Gary Trent Jr., you have Otto Porter Jr., and Malachi Flynn. <laughs> Malachi Flynn, in theory, I know his three point numbers haven't been great, yeah. but like he he still like has a college track work record of at least being a good shooter. Um, statistically, it'd be yeah. Garrett Temple actually, based off no, last that's season. A good point. Yeah, you have uh, if you don't have uh, Dennis Schroeder, Pascal Siakam, or Scotty Barnes on the floor, I I sort of think you're going to struggle to create those looks that those guys need. Uh, uh, that's you, you a side point. Start, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we saw enough from this isn't to slander mm. Grady Dick, by the way, but like. I'm just going to go ahead and say it, Grady Dick. Is it ready to be a primary uh, creator based on what I saw in in Las Vegas? And uh, <laughs> if he and Gary Trent are, are your two guys, you're probably mm. not getting a lot of kickouts for uh, for good looking good looking threes. Sure. Uh, so yeah, those guys who can you know see over defenses and and make plays and make mm. you know more difficult passes are are sort of valuable. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, a side note, Grady Dick, how much time do you think he, like, the the thinking with him, and I think, believe Bobby had said this after the draft, is like, you know, they are thinking there could be an instant impact with him just because of, obviously, his shooting. But is he going to be, is he ready to be a rotation player off the bat based on what you've seen? And, like, there's going to be progress here. And the fact is that when he's playing with better players, he's going to look a lot better, too, at the same time. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Um. So I did my rotation piece um like sort of trying to map out the raptors rotation piece uh earlier this week and and i had him not in the opening day rotation and people were very mad about that um understandably because uh, people have been mad for like a year but yeah go on (laughs) um 
understandably because you know after a year like the last one you want some you know other than a coach you want to see some new people out there you want to see some of what exactly what has been missing from this team and like the best version of grady dick is a big part of that Mm -hmm. um it's just hard for me to like look at the nine or ten players and that's like without even thinking about Otto porter jr without thinking about thad young um and saying he will definitely separate himself there. Now, based on what we sort of know the front office thought about uh, the younger players on this roster and the opportunity they were or were not given, they might Mm. be on the same page. So if that means Grady Dick is playing and Chris Boucher and Jalen McDaniels are not, Maybe that's something they are very clear on from day one. Mm. And and that's not where that wouldn't have been the case last year. And it's like Darko Ryakovich knows that like, okay, maybe this isn't the optimal lineup for winning tonight's game. But if Scotty Barnes is going to grow and develop as a playmaker, you sort of need as much shooting as you can put around him. And maybe that means Grady Dick, even though he's being, you know, targeted defensively, that's fine because he gives Scotty Barnes a bit more of a lane to, to, to work with. Mm. Um, But just from like a who's who on this roster, what have they done? And also how much Grady Dick is going to be targeted defensively. I had him on the outside looking in. Maybe he, goes down to the 905 to start and gets used to the role that like a bit of a heightened role of what he would play with the Raptors. And you've got Marquise Noel playing down there with him. You've got, um, you've got Javon uh, Liberty Freeman. I, I can never remember. Freeman Liberty, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Freeman. Liberty. Thank you. I, I've screwed <laughs> that up twice now. Um, you would think it's actually the other way around. I, I, naturally it would be. I, just should, I have to, I have to remember that it's alphabetical. <laughs> um that that's all there is to it um uh javon freeman liberty uh taking those like main ball handling duties and and grady dick getting used to like working off ball to get his his looks um maybe that's how it starts and then a trade happens and there's a more natural lane for him that that was sort of my thinking and keeping him out of the rotation for now if he went like the whole season without being in the rotation first of all the raptors will have been hugely healthy uh and and second Mm. of all i would be very surprised um i I don't really see that happening uh but if he doesn't start the season even getting like 12 minutes a game i wouldn't be horribly surprised i I guess was the point i was trying to make i mean no different but i can but but, yeah Yeah. but i could also see a world uh, like i said in which they're like this guy's playing 12 to 15 minutes a night, regardless, mm. you know, everything else aside from Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and OG minutes are like not as important as making sure he yeah. gets those minutes. And yeah. maybe that that's just what's happening. I think it's it's a fair point. Like we're looking at two different perspectives on it is, are you trying to win every single game or is there a little bit of a developmental aspect that you're trying to incorporate into your philosophy, you know, by game one, like obviously Grady Dick 
like no other player, it would be beneficial for him to spend some time in the G League. Like we saw him succeed in areas in Summer League, but also there are areas that he can improve on. And that's a great place to go and do that, right? So yeah. then, you know, mid-season point, maybe some trades happen. Grady Dick comes back in uh, and he has a better rhythm and flow for uh, for the Raptors. Like that makes sense to me. And I think it should make uh, sense to most people. Yeah, I was talking to James Herbert of CBS about this and he sort of, he was making the point, I don't want to steal his point, but he was like, yeah, Grady Dick and Otto Porter Jr., assuming Otto Porter Jr. is healthy, are like actually going to be important to this team. Because like while maybe they're not, and I don't want to speak for Porter, he's obviously had like very good moments in his career, including just two years ago. But like, well, maybe they're not, quote unquote, better than the guys that that I've put in front of them in terms of creating functional lineups, they might be more important. So like mm -hmm. that could also be a factor too. Um, and, and like the Raptors, now we made this mistake last year, in theory, they have enough like individual defensive talent to maybe get by with one or two weaker spots. Um, but there will be mixing and matching. And I like, I, I almost think like, not to degrade the question, but it's like, eh, eventually this guy's going to be playing a good chunk of minutes this yeah. year so yeah. whether it's happening right away or not like i i don't think it's a huge deal which won't stop us from mm. talking in mid-november like it's a huge deal yeah the fact the raptors can go like legitimately 13 deep um is something to ponder about like huh i mean sure you can and you have like a lot of players who can play nba minutes but maybe you need some clarity there just a yeah, bit. like I still, I still <laughs> sort of like wouldn't be surprised if like one of Boucher, Thad Young, or uh, Otto Porter is gone before the regular season starts. Now is an awkward time to mm. to make like smaller trades. Like you, you, you often see like bigger trades happen now just because they take so long for the posturing to to die. Uh, sorry, I bring it up a conversation you didn't want to have. Uh, Read Damian <laughs> Lillard, but like the posturing has to die down, and the teams have to get serious. Um, those those smaller trades might be sort of you know ripple effects of, of yeah. what that happens maybe uh, but like going in there are a lot of guys who would rightfully based on what they've shown they can do either in flashes or or for bigger you know mm -hmm. longer than than just flashes would say why is a rookie who can't you know hold up defensively I, I don't want to say that for sure but like he, he's certainly a skinny dude right now um why mm -hmm. is that guy playing in front of me? And I think that's, you know, especially on a team that that might be bending a bit toward develop. Like we don't know which way that they're going to go fully, but like if if they are indeed going to bend a bit toward development over like every last win matters, you do want some clarity there probably. But Masai Jerry also isn't the type to throw away a guy because uh because of that he he wants mm. to he wants he's an opportunist when it comes to trades he he wants he does not like the the idea of losing a you know a transaction um and you know that that's some that's usually very good and i would argue sometimes maybe not ideal sometimes you just gotta let it let something go for the sake let of it fly. <laughs> the bigger picture uh yeah. anyway uh yeah, he'll Garrett uh, Grady Dick will be playing enough uh, by the time the season mm -hmm. is over, unless something very weird has happened. Yeah, just a few more before I, I let you go. The most surprising learning 
from your chat with Darko. And it could be as simple as, oh, he blinks four times before he speaks. Um, whatever. He doesn't blink at all. I don't know. But uh, were there things that, I mean, that one-on-one -on -one conversation with a person, especially in a format like Summer League where it's so chill, um, you can kind of, a person's guard goes down a little bit and you can kind of get to know them a little bit better. Was there anything that stuck out to you there? Uh, I think I'd probably be lying if I said there were, there was one thing. Um, I think this was probably his first, like I, I got him a day maybe no two days before summer league they played their first summer league game so i would bet that was his first longer one-on-one -on -one interview mm. he had done since being hired i think like not that he wasn't like gracious with his time but like i think he probably had his guard up a little bit sure. um um like very kind very very open um you know very direct and but I, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sort of coming up, coming up empty on on being caught off guard by him. Um, like I don't think there was any there were any huge surprises. I didn't get to talk. Like I was mindful about not taking up too much time. Yeah, because I, I always am. So I didn't get to get in a long conversation about coffee. Uh, or or I, I was happy that he mentioned. Nobody will care about this. I was happy that he mentioned Chivapi because like I went to. Croatia and uh, Bosnia and Montenegro. I, I guess it would be six summers ago now. Jeez, um, and, and I had my my share of chivapi, so it, it was good to <laughs> it was good to have a brief chivapi uh, conversation with him, and and he confirmed yeah. that he thought every I, I put this in the story oh, because only I was interested in it, <laughs> and ultimately we're all writing for ourselves. That every country thinks it does chivapi better than the other, even though like they're, you know. We we drove one day, my wife and I, uh, through three of the countries within like one hour, like from Croatia to Bosnia to Montenegro back into Croatia. <laughs> so it's not it's not like there's like you, there's this huge area that you're spatting and yeah. it's actually going to be that different. Same but, farm, uh, okay? <laughs> yeah, 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 you're probably sourcing it from the same yeah. place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, sure. So yeah. The, the Chivapi talk was uh, maybe yeah. the most pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody came to this podcast for. <laughs> I had a series of questions I was going to ask you, just relaying off of your story, but then I realized I shouldn't uh, I shouldn't reveal some of the fun details in there. So I'm going to leave a lot of those. Um, but are you going to take a coffee nap? Have you thought about that? That's one that I wanted to ask you about. I think I'm too anxious to do it. Um, it seems what hard. I mean, what I mean do is that. like, yeah, like I... First of all, I don't drink coffee that quickly. And I don't drink, I think it's meant for people who have espresso, right? Like, and I mm -hmm. don't usually have espresso. Like sometimes I'll have espresso drinks, um, but I'm not just like having, on, except on very rare, like inject it straight into my veins type moments. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I'm not doing that. I'm either having like a normal, you know, a normal drip coffee or I'm having, you know, a latte or an Americano or yeah. Um, so I don't consume my coffee quick enough to where I could fall asleep before the caffeine kicked in. So I think I would I think I would have to get into espresso, like the pure uncut stuff, um, mm. to pull off the coffee the coffee nap. Uh, I am a big napper though, so if I find you know my time is is more my free time is more fleeting and I need to take 
advantage of it. Maybe that's what happens. Maybe I become a big espresso guy in, in my <laughs> in my 40s. Who's to say? Not 40 yet, but we're getting there. Yeah. Don't reveal the age. No one has, no one has to know. Okay. We're, we're getting okay. we're getting there. We're, <laughs> we're, we're approaching. Uh, I think uh... like I think LeBron is older than me, and I'm not sure how many other NBA players are older than me. Uh, they're, they're probably Udonis Haslam hurt a lot of us. I was uh, about to say Udonis Haslam. Uh, oh, come on, yeah, his retirement was bad for a lot of uh, a lot of us who were keeping track yeah. of these things. Um, last question: Back on the Raptors front, is there a player that sticks out to you as one who could benefit from a different coach? And this isn't like a Nick Nurse versus Darko thing. This this is just like where they are in their careers where they were in the rotation last season. Is there someone that you think um, could benefit from a different perspective? Hustle play with Chris Boucher. We were asking him like, you know, what kind of coach do you want? And he's like, the one that's going to play me minutes. So <laughs> he didn't really care. Yeah. I, I mean, like you look at the bench opportunities and they were just so fleeting. And so, mm. and we, we beat this to death. We don't need to talk too much about it but like chris is right like you know like the guy who he ends up trusting the most uh is gonna be that guy like i you know i i sort of think for the raptor's sake like i hope it's precious achua like because i still think there's like a really big difference maker in there um going into his fourth year i don't expect them to come to an agreement on a and this is just reading tea leaves it's it's not reporting but like i'd be surprised if they agreed to a an extension on his rookie contract off his rookie contract before the deadline just mm-hmm. because the last two years have been so different uh for him how do you place value he probably thinks he's we don't need to get into it but like it'd be great yeah. except for the raptors cap situation if like precious achua really popped this year um so mm-hmm. like He's somebody who comes to mind, uh, you know, getting Gary Trent in more advantageous situations. Yeah. Uh, if if ball movement is, is and player movement is improved, so where he's not just like end of the shot clock dude trying to to create. I know that's a big part of his game, but like I don't think that's the best part of his game. It's mm. been a necessary part of his game given the way the Raptors' offense has has worked, and and if. Darko Ryakovich can shift that a little bit. I think it stands to reason that one of the better shooters on the team would benefit the most from it. So like those are sort of two guys that I don't know whether it's like wish casting or or like an actual belief, but like I could see how a fresh set of eyes would, would benefit both of those guys. Yeah. Those are the two that stuck out to me too. It was, uh, and I did a podcast yesterday with, um, with a fellow about Gary Trent Jr. and just how maybe a different outlook and also maybe just um, a different kind of perspective philosophy with player movement, ball movement, if they can actually actualize it, you know, Gary can really pop in that kind of setting. Also pressure to it because we we see the potential. It's pretty simple to see um, how someone like him could pop in a player movement style uh, kind of basketball and just him having clarity this season. Not that, I mean, it was a bit tougher over the past two seasons, but someone like him going from like center to power forward, then he's small forward and just going back and forth. It could be just a little bit tough for a player. So if he gets clarity yeah. in his role, it could help him. But I'm sure Nick yeah. would have probably helped wanted that too. Yeah, he did. But like to that point, like <clears throat> Precious Achua 
isn't going to be at his best in a stagnant offense, right? Like he no. he sort of needs to be attacking closeouts. Not that he's such a dangerous shooter that teams are going to be like running out to him, but like to the ex- any extent that the defense can be off balance, a little bit more mm-hmm. off balance, I think that's going to help him because he's so explosive and such like he can get up so quickly and he's such a quick quick twitch athlete offensively that's really going to help him it can't like his offensive value can't completely depend on whether he's going to hit a three or whether they get out in transition like i i think you know his defensive value is is self-evident and to any extent that he starts to you know get the ball while the defense is still rotating that's only going to help him because i think there's you know not like certainly i'm not expecting play like playmaking for others but there's certainly a playmaking for himself opportunity that can only come against a defense that is moving that's not going to reveal itself uh in like a defense that's more or less set yeah and practices he's constantly working on cutting and he has moments where he does flash as a cutter and it looks beautiful because of how fluid he moves and how how explosive he is the second jump is ridiculous um but uh, we'll have to see how all of that kind of lands. Christian Cloak is another one that uh, I think could really pop this season, not just because of uh, Darko being there, but he, there's like a position, there's a value for him as a, a center off the bench that could really help the Raptors so they have more stability there because, as we all know, their best defensive lineups are when Yaka Pertle and Yeah, I think like, there. like pretty clearly, like we're looking at a situation where Yak is playing 28 minutes, Coloco's probably playing 12 minutes and then eight minutes they're going funky but like like that that would seem to be the ideal scenario yeah. for the raptors yeah all right eric this was uh, terrific anyone who wants to check out the piece that'll be linked in the uh, podcast feed and also on youtube closing thoughts from you or is it just let's get to this weekend here uh, I mean, it's always let's get to this weekend. Uh, <laughs> Monday, but, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I, I'm genuinely curious about if this is the roster that we're going to see going into training camp or not. And mm. it's just, we've been talking about trades almost nonstop since February. And it still feels like, there's a shoe to drop and I'm like, I'm glad we didn't talk too much about that this episode because I'm kind of talked out about it. I, I was talked out about it last year and, and, and maybe that's yeah. where like that actual vacation time will come in, in use is, is me not pondering that that's of course when the trade will happen. Uh, now that <laughs> I put that into the world, um, but not talking about how this r- roster is going to be reimagined, but like, look, I like, I think the reality is this roster is pro- more likely than not to be pretty significantly reimagined uh, sooner rather than later. But, you know, I guess Messiah Jerry's goal is to just continue to make me look dumb. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's not much of a cohesive thought, but it, it's sort of the thought that is yeah. going to continue to exist. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Until it doesn't, um, which, which will be at the Raptors' hands. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're on vacation, that's when everything will change. Because that's how uh, it always yeah. goes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Murphy's Law or, or whatever it is. Yeah. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for uh, listening in or watching. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again, Eric. Take care.